This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. Coming up on today's show, one of the fun guys to talk to, John Hoyer of Hoyer Fishing. John is the National Walleye Tours National Champ, plus he went over to Europe as part of Team USA for an international event last year. We talk all about that and much, much more with the always fun John Hoyer next. If you're fascinated by what you're hearing today... Bemidji State University might be the place for you when it comes to college. They're located amid the lakes and forests of the Northwoods, and it's the only place in Minnesota where you can earn a four-year degree in aquatic biology. It's a state-of-the-art program on the shores of Lake Bemidji, giving you high-tech lakeside facilities and ample opportunity for research and a hands-on education. You can choose fisheries biology, aquatic systems, or wetlands ecology. An aquatic biology education at Minnesota's premier Northwoods University it's the right fit for you. Visit BemidjiState.edu. I'm Kevin Cochran, and you're listening to Paul Bunyan Country. Checking back in with John Hoyer. Well, last time we met with John, he was uh, fresh off winning the National Walleye Tours Championship, uh, and then you were headed uh, across the ocean, and that's uh, that's where we'll pick it up. You had won the National Championship and then you were going into some international competition. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that was going to be. Um, well, what it was going to be was very exciting for me to travel overseas. I've only done it a few times in my life, and that was like my primary focus of why I was going to have so much fun. But also the obvious challenge of figuring out Xander, Perch, and Northern Pike overseas. So. I went into it with some preconceived notions how we could catch those three species. And uh, once we got to the, the reservoir, it was called the Slappy Reservoir in the Czech Republic. Um, it'd be the river that runs through Prague. And then down south, um, it gets kind of wider or whatever. But basically, long story short, we started off on a, on a good note, catching some nice big Xander. And then come tournament time, it was, it was crickets. Um, <laughs> And I actually did not end up catching a scorable fish in three days of tournament fishing, which was, uh, I mean, it was sad. (laughs) Um, But as far as Team USA did, I forget what place we ended up in. It was not that good. Our other, my other two partners, um, Ryan Buddy and Nick Schertz, they ended up going to a different area and they caught Xander each day, which really carried our team. But I can't even remember what place we finished. Maybe... 11th or 12th or something out of like 24 teams and what was this tournament actually uh so it's called the world predator championship and i mean it's been going on for i think like 16 years now and it's really cool you know getting to meet the other teams and stuff and you realize that this is their super bowl of fishing um now granted the four of us are you know, very savvy tournament anglers going over there representing Team USA. Um, but the way we got in, like I got invited in, Max Wilson and Nick Schertz have been doing all this international stuff for years. Um, they knew I'd be a good addition to the team. But, you know, talking to those other teams, they had, you know, multiple qualifiers. They weren't a for sure team member each year. And, I mean, it was really a kind of this astringent way that they, you know, got to be on the team and represent you know, Finland or Sweden or even Ukraine was there. 
Uh, so it was really cool, you know, seeing the passion for everybody's country that they had and realizing, like, well, we should naturally be, you know, really proud to be here for Team USA also. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a cool event. And ultimately there's rumor of, um, you know, competitive fishing being an Olympic sport. And the other rumor is that Team USA would be made up of competitors that have already um, – participated on the international level so hmm. kind of a sneaky ulterior motive if that ever happens <laughs> well that would be really interesting to see it as an olympic sport and and how that would manifest itself um we're used to you know the way we do tournaments in the u.s so it'd be really interesting to see how they would play it out and what species it would be and would it change depending on where the olympics were things like that uh, very fascinating yeah, and that's what the World Predator um, tournaments are, the championship. You know, they go to a different country each year, and the list of species that you're targeting changes at each venue. So basically they try to have, like, the top three or four predators in the system um, be the scoreable fish. So, like, they've been to places before where a catfish was one of the top predators. Um, or even even like what we'd consider a bait fish might be one of the top three or four predators. So it's really interesting. It's always a moving target, and I completely look forward to participating, you know, going forward and just kind of learning more and more. So, uh, I mean, is it truly international? Were there teams from Asia, or is it primarily European and, and North American? Um, yeah, primary, primarily European, and then... Um, there wasn't a team Canada, but yeah, I think twenty four different countries. Okay. And I mean you want to talk about some good anglers. It was really interesting. The guys who won won by a landslide. Both their teams are in first and second, um, from Estonia. And they targeted perch. So like the first day they had a hundred perch in one of their boats and that was one thing we missed. You know, obviously the points are less for perch because they're shorter, it goes basically by length. But when you come in with a hundred of them, I mean, it's basically untouchable. So, um, yeah, that was our major mistake. We had our success catching Xander right away, you know, using forward-facing sonar, kind of like walleye fishing, and didn't spend enough time on these schools of perch figuring out how to catch them and thinking that, you know, well, we could catch 50 of these in a day. That would be the obvious way to win the tournament. So even the locals, the Czech Republic team, who you could tell they were confident, even cocky, Going into it, they were completely humbled by those guys that only targeted perch the whole tournament. Okay, wow. Um, it, it had to be fun and interesting, as you said. Um, I mean, do they bite on the same types of things the fish here bite on? Was it a whole different thing? What? What? How did it all play out for you? Yeah, um, you know, basically plastics, like bigger plastics, and then even glide baits, uh, Johnny darters, jig wraps. That's how we were targeting the Xander, a lot of them were kind of suspended or five feet off the bottom, you know, a lot like walleyes. But the one thing I didn't realize was how picky these fish were. And uh, Ryan and Nick ended up fishing this kind of uh, creek arm. And the way they were catching them is they would turn the reel handle two times really slowly on a light jig in like 20 feet of water and then just let that paddle tail coast down to the bottom and sit there for like five seconds. It was one of the most methodical things I've ever seen in fishing. Um, and then when they would bite, a lot of times they would really hit the thing hard. But um, I don't know if it's, you know, all the fish have been caught already this year. They're highly pressured. 
that would be my only thing that would make sense. Um, but definitely not as aggressive as walleyes will get, you know, when you're fishing for them on the Great Lakes or the Missouri River or whatever. So, um, but as far as the perch, those guys were using an interesting rig. They were, it was basically like a castable three-way rig. So a dropper weight, maybe a half ounce, and then like a four or five, six foot leader, and then a bunch of really small little, basically ice fishing plastics. And they would reel it out, let it hit bottom, and they're actually retrieving it pretty quick and just kind of snapping along the bottom. But um, those guys are so nice. Um, I, it was very evident that Max and Nick were good friends with the Estonians, and um, you know they told us after day one, like, "Hey, this is how we were catching them. Like, go find some perch. That's how you guys will, you know, that's how it'll help your team." Um, but even at that point when we dedicated our day to perch on day two, it wasn't as easy as they were making it look. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's, uh, their backyard, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, but definitely not to take away anything from the quality of anglers that are in that competition. I mean, they are, yeah, next level. Well, it, it had to have been a fun experience and, and obviously it, interesting to to visit a different uh, area and, and you know how fishing in fact impacts that community and, and and the anglers over there but did you find that fishermen are basically fishermen yeah and like i said you know traveling overseas a couple different times getting to fish um even with you know here the language barrier was kind of 50 50 a lot of guys knew english they could understand your english they'd speak broken english but you know where the language barrier was 100 percent the coolest thing that I love about fishing and talking fishing and even sometimes using sign language or charades talking about fishing or Google Translate on your phone, it's like the passion for true fishermen, you know, knows no boundaries. It's definitely not blocked by by simple language barrier, you know. It's just the pure love of fishing and, you know, the anticipation of catching a fish. So it, it's just, it's really cool and heartwarming to meet you know, middle-aged men that are just random, and you jump in their boat. We had boat captains that were around there that drove us around, and they were so excited to see us hook up on something and wanted to see us succeed. And I mean, it was—it's just such a cool scenario. What about the waters you were fishing? How did they compare to uh, the waters you're used to fishing? Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of flow. If there was flow, it would—it would fish like the Mississippi River. That's about how wide it was. Uh, you know, down in the Minneapolis area and mm-hmm. further down. Um, yeah, so, I mean, normal five, six-foot water clarity, normal depths, you know, 10 or ten to 30 feet of water where most of the fish were at. Uh, so, yeah, we were really comfortable fishing there for sure. It wasn't like, a, you know, a different planet or anything. Um, and the techniques were similar, but very specific was really the deal-breaker for us. So you uh, you had quite a year. You win a national championship here in the states, and then you uh, you get to be in an international competition. Not bad. <laughs> yes, it was a very good year for sure. Um, I don't know if I would have said that if I you know didn't make the top ten at the championship. I would have been. We would have been talking about my partner uh, Dewey from South Dakota more than my my own um, performances. But when I look back, yeah, I mean, I won a tournament on Malax. I took second on Pacagama, never fished that lake before, and then winning the championship was like, whoa, this was actually a really, you know, great year, let alone for my team on the National Walleye Tour. That was, like, best year ever. 
Well, what have you been doing since these two uh, big competitions? Oh, man, I don't know if your listeners even want to hear this. but <laughs> um, So basically, you know, I'd gone elk hunting. I shot my first bull, I think, right after we talked. Nice. Then I went to the Czech Republic, and then I went bow hunting down in Missouri and Illinois um, for like 45 days straight. And I got to see so many bucks, and I learned how to rattle bucks in, and it was like this whole new world for me. And, I mean, I can't stop thinking about the excitement. And then I finally drew back on the buck that I wanted to shoot after seeing 150 different bucks, and I rattled him in. He came running at the stand, and I had a very quick realization that there's a difference between shooting a deer in a field with a bow and arrow that's just archery <laughs> but when you have a buck that's in the heavy woods and you have a million variables around you which is every twig every tree um that is next level archery hunting and it's not for the faint of heart and i ended up ricocheting my arrow off a tree on this really big seven pointer and i luckily you know i didn't hit him at all i just ricocheted off to the side and i was left i mean the the emotional flush that happened right after that, the adrenaline was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and I mean, I'm, oh my gosh, I am so hooked on archery hunting in the fall now. It's unbelievable. Well, and obviously you'd done some archery hunting in the past. This wasn't your well, first year. last year was my first oh, time. it was? Yeah. Wow. So you just, for the first time, got out there with the bow and arrow and, uh, and you're hooked now. Well, again, your listeners probably don't want to listen to it, but a really short version of the story is the way that God has intervened in my life is endless. And one of the ways he intervened was Lee and Tiffany Lakoski of the Crush TV, which are like the most famous his and her bow hunting duo of all time. They bought one of my year-old boats like three or four years ago. Um, then they bought one two, two years later. So... You know, Lee was like, you got it. We got to get you a bow. You got to get into archery. You're going to love it. Um, because I took a muskie fishing. He saw so many parallels in chasing muskies and whitetail hunting. So last year was my first official first year. And I shot a few does and a buck. And then, you know, obviously counting the days down to when I got to go again this year. And this year was a whole different level with that rattling and grunting and getting to learn how and when to communicate with bucks and like how they're wired and how they have to come check you out and how they're curious and how you can use that against them in the rut. And I mean, it was just, yeah, I was enamored with the whole, whole sport of archery hunting now. So are you, uh, are you in the catalogs on the internet uh, looking for board gear or reset? Are you really into it now? Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm completely into it. Um, I mean, I love fall fishing, and I, I guess the reality of it is, since our tournaments are starting in March nowadays, you know, I fish a ton for six or seven months straight, and now all of a sudden I get to go relax and just kind of, you know, be in nature, which I've always loved, you know, hunting ducks and pheasants, but, you know, the, the solitude that you get in a, te- in a tree stand and, and the archery part of it, getting deer so close and watching their senses work and stuff, it's just, it's the, the most relaxing thing. And then really interesting how, you know, relaxing and enjoyment will amp up to, okay, here I need to do my job. This is why I practice. So it's just this really cool 
um, mental challenge. It, it really kind of reminds me of golf when it comes to actually making the shot. Is like, you know, being able to be, you know, go through your routine, stay calm, control your breathing, all that stuff is is such a cool mental challenge. You know, after getting to enjoy, you know, maybe days or hours in the stand watching deer, um, when it's finally the time, you know, that you're gonna, you know, take your best shot, do your best, do your due diligence, and uh, harvest that animal. It, it's just this really cool, um, basically, uh, just scenario for myself that I have fallen in love with. Do you have a preference between hunting and fishing? Oh, I can't say that. I mean, my 100% true passion is fishing. Um, you know, I, I really realize, though, a lot of the, you know, as I post something on social media, as I look back throughout the year, I look at photos, I think about who took the photo of me or the photo I took of a friend. I mean, it's really just like-minded people that enjoy life and they, you know, understand that it's a complete blessing to be able to even just get out fishing, to get away from work or, you know, have a little vacation for their family or to go to a tournament for $100,000. Like, everybody appreciates that. And for me to be able to call it a profession, I mean, I'm at this whole different level where my appreciation for it, of the blessings that I've had in my life, to be able to call this a job, I am 100% aware of it each and every day. And now to be able to go and go on a hunting vacation for 45 days straight and, you know, to have the opportunity to do that is it's just next level, um, uh, again, blessings in my life for myself. So, well, I think fishing will always be, you know, my favorite for sure. Have you had a chance to do any ice fishing yet this year? I have only ice fished two hours. I was on Mille Lacs at sunset. Um, I did get to do some saltwater fishing when I was down in Florida, and that was a lot of fun. We caught a lot of bottom fish, including grouper, grunts, hogfish, sea bass, um, a bunch of stuff I actually haven't really caught good-sized fish of in the past. So, um, But I do have probably two weeks worth of ice fishing planned here coming up at the end of January. John Hoyer is my guest, the latest National Walleye Tour national champion. He's a two-time champ, as a matter of fact. we got a lot more to cover with John next. Hi, this is Chuck Hasse on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, doing my part to keep Kev Jackson employed for another year. If you love the outdoors and are looking for ways to align your education with future employment in the trades, Northwest Technical College in Bemidji is for you. Explore state-of-the-art technical education in six career paths, automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology, all in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods, surrounded by more than 400 lakes and, of course, limitless forests. The shortest path to your dream job and a good bite is at NTC, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service and Fish House Rentals. Are you looking to plan your next ice fishing adventure? Well, look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is the place to be. There are over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji. Come drop a line at becoming a fishing legend. While on your fishing adventure, explore the hundreds of well-groomed snowmobile trails that Bemidji has to offer. Don't forget to take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Bemidji, bigger fish and better stories. Hey, I'm Jason Rylander, the Jason that can grow a beard like a grown-up. And this is Paul Bunyan Country. 
Pro Walleye Angler John Hoyer is my guest. We're talking ice fishing. Well, I mean, we, we were off to a great start. The ice was uh, getting nice and thick, and then we got that horrible, horrible snowfall, and that kind of made things tough as far as getting ice to the right uh, thickness, although I think we're getting there finally. But then just getting out there has been a pain, too. Yeah, that's kind of the consensus I've heard in Minnesota. But, um, you know, talking to my friends in Montana, uh, North Dakota is pretty snowed in, too. But South Dakota right now, um, you know, I talked to Dwayne Jell, my partner, the other week, and he said usually January 1st he's walking out on Lake Sharp. And this year he was driving his truck out, at least in the bays, you know, to then get on his uh, side-by-side. But they have, like, 16 inches of ice there. So spots that haven't got the mass of snow have had that, you know, two-week cold spell, and they have, like, the best ice ever. So uh, definitely where I'm looking to do my first ice fishing trips are, you know, central North Dakota and then go down to the Missouri River and ice fish there for my first time. Okay. Um, I know it's getting to be old news now, but but I really want to get your <laughs> your take as a tournament angler who's won a couple of national championships on the uh, whole Ohio situation in that big tournament and the guys who were cheating. Or was that Michigan? I, I lose track of which one over yeah, there. Yeah, that was Ohio. It was Ohio, Ohio yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, my take on it was, you know, first, first, thought was good riddance um you know it's hard to speculate and for myself you know i know the tournament director jason fisher my partner in czech republic ryan buddy has fished against these guys for the last two years and when you look back at the you know trail of clues um you know it was really pointing to an impossible scenario um the only way i can really i mean if i wanted to be really blunt about it what those guys had done on lake erie now, if people don't understand the, the state of Lake Erie right now, they have unbelievable year classes, but those year classes are stacked up, you know, six years ago, five years ago, three years ago. And they have more walleyes than they've ever had in the lake, but inevitably what it creates in a tournament scenario is a game of ounces. Literally, um, the tournaments in the last two years have been decided by less than 16 ounces in the top 10. So... If you look back at the successes that these two guys have had in the last two years, you know, having the biggest fish at the fall brawl, going back into the spring, winning the spring brawl, and then the Lake Erie Walleye Trail over two years, having like six victories, and not only six victories, but winning by three, four, five, six, seven pounds in two-day tournaments, um, there's something fishy going on there. Just mathematically, if you were a statistician and you looked at that, there would be a big question mark on what these guys are doing. Um, you know, you get to a different scenario. You get to a lake like Devil's Lake, Lake Winnebago, somewhere where there's a ton of different presentation options and different patterns going on. You know, a person like Corey Springo could excel if you had every tournament on Lake Winnebago, you know, eight tournaments each year on Lake Winnebago. You could see somebody like Corey win six of those tournaments, and he'd be winning it a different way every time. But... Lake Erie, it is what it is. You know, 99% of the fishing is trolling, and there isn't a magic crankbait out there. There isn't a magic spinner rig color. There isn't a magic speed that could statistically put you on top that many times, that many tournaments over and over again. So um, when it happened, 
it was a big relief for me. I know that some of the uh, some of my friends said this is a really bad light to be um, shine on uh, walleye tournaments, but in reality, I figured you know the people that are in the know they understand that you know this is a really good thing for walleye tournaments because it exposed a way that can you know can the system can be beat. People can cheat, and when you make a tournament for twenty thousand dollars. Unfortunately, in this world, there's going to be people that need that money more than a lot of the other guys that are doing it for the sport. And inevitably, you know, now you're talking about criminals versus people that enjoy the sport of fishing tournaments. So, yeah. you know, inevitably, there's going to be people that get involved in that if there's opportunity for cheating. So, um, you know, historically, there's been cheating that's been exposed forever in fishing tournaments. But I think the one thing that, you know, shares the common link is once you start making it for uh, more and more money, the more and more people get involved that don't have a business, you know, don't have any business competing against guys that are at the caliber they are, and now they're getting into their thinking about how can we win money. Yeah. Oh. That was uh, quite a story and, uh, you know, pretty universal condemnation of those guys, that's for sure. Uh, I think by and large, you know, I mean, just, you know, everything I've ever seen, anglers tend to be, pretty high quality people by and large so uh that people took that personally as they should yeah for sure and i think you know that was by far the most viral thing that's ever happened in fishing you know viral being an internet terminology but uh we went to the czech republic one 36 hours after that every single person at that tournament knew that story all the details of it and i mean that was world news i if I had to venture a guess, that reached like over two billion people. If you yeah. look at all the news um, branches that picked up the story, I mean, it's endless. Yeah, <laughs> it really it, it was. was. Uh, it was all because of that super gravitating video. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, I was. I was getting a little nervous. I mean, I you know I wanted them caught and I wanted them punished, but uh, I was getting a little nervous. But they did get out of there okay. Yeah, right. I mean, it, they definitely kept it civil. And uh, Jason Fisher, the tournament director, is actually a police officer. So, uh, you know, obviously that was on the front of his list to keep it all. There was nothing bad that was going to happen in that parking lot, I guarantee you, because of, you know, Jason Fisher's presence. And um, But, yeah, I mean, talk about an amazing video to watch. Oh, it, it really was. Yeah. So, So what's next for you? Um, well, I still have that. I still have deer tags in Illinois, oh. Missouri. So that closes on the fifteenth, I believe, in Illinois. So I'm actually doing a walleye seminar tomorrow night at uh, Walleyes Inc. in Minneapolis. So okay. I ha- I'll have all my archery stuff packed, and I'm going to leave Friday morning. It'll be like an eleven-hour drive, and I plan on hunting there till you know maybe the thirteenth or fourteenth. And I have all my ice fishing stuff ready to rock. So right after that, I'm going to get back to work. Oh. Well, get back to work uh, on, on the water. And then, of course, it's going to be uh, tournament time pretty soon, right? It will be, yeah. We have a we have a third week in March for our first National Walleye Tour tournament. So, you know, nowadays I'll hit the ice really hard at least till you know, the middle of February. And then inevitably it's, you know, boat prep boat arrival, electronics rigging, boat wrap, truck wrap, tackle organization. So it gets pretty fast-paced there. 
you know, now it's moved up even a few weeks, um, being a March tournament. So it'll basically be, uh, it'll always be a rush no matter what. It's just the nature of getting a new boat every year, but that'll be the thing after my ice fishing hiatus. Okay. Um, final question. What is your fishing and hunting, uh, new year's resolution? Uh, to be honest, my only New Year's resolution is kind of a personal one, and that is to um, really be adamant about doing some core exercises. Yeah. Um, you know, I generally stay pretty fit, but I realize that the archery thing, the sitting and standing for prolonged periods is really tough on my back. And to the point where I went down looking forward to golfing with my dad over Christmas like we've done every year forever, and I actually threw my back out on the practice range to the point where I was laying on the floor for like 36 hours straight. And uh, so, yeah, it's really just kind of a physical fitness um, New Year's resolution for myself to be bulletproof again um, throughout the fishing year. But in reality, when I'm fishing, I'm actually in the best shape. Not necessarily ice fishing. I know I've had back pain doing that before, but for some reason moving around in a boat, is when I'm the healthiest, and I just want to make sure that, you know, as I get older and older, that I can count on my physical fitness. That sounds like a good plan, obviously. Um, I, I think I, I probably should do something like that as well. I'm not getting any younger, that's for sure. And, and to win every uh, National Wildlife Tour tournament, but that's my goal every year. Okay. <laughs> well, John, thanks for taking the time today. We really appreciate it. And good luck on your next many adventures coming up. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. John, if people want to find out what's going on in your world, how can they keep up with you? Uh, the most accurate, up-to-date way is to follow me on Instagram at John Hoyer Fish or on Facebook at Hoyer Fishing. John Hoyer joining us today. John, once again, thanks for the time. Thanks. We'll see you. Another show in the books. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to listen to the show. Hope we're giving you what you need, and we'll talk to you next time. Bumper in country.